Welcome to the Goalie Hacks Podcast, the show dedicated to providing elite tips, hacks, and strategies to take your game to the next level, where we help you become an elite goaltender, one hack at a time. And now, here's your host, Mike Santaguida. Bang, bang, and welcome back to the Goalie Hacks Podcast, where we provide you guys tips, hacks, and strategies on how to elevate your game to the next level much faster. I'm your host, Mike Santaguida, and thanks again for tuning in. I've been a little quieter lately on Instagram because I've been laying a ton of groundwork in other areas behind the scenes. I mean, you know you know me. I, I, I never sleep literally working 100 plus hours a week on this project for you guys You know, to continue to grow this and, and give back to my community members, my fans. You know, Ultimately, you guys are my friends. You know, I hope you feel that way. I don't really see myself... As a coach, you know, people call me coach, coach, coach. Guys, I, I'm your friend. I'm your mentor. I'm still fighting side by side with you guys, you know, to keep moving up the ladder. I don't really see myself as a coach to you guys. Just a really nice, supportive, and knowledgeable friend that's been through it all and is now supporting you guys in your journeys for the love of the game. You know, I'm very passionate about goaltending. I've dedicated my entire life to it. And as I mentioned in previous episodes, the goal is to give back to you guys to help you achieve more than I have in my career, you know, so far. So as always, if you guys need anything at all, don't hesitate at all to reach out with any questions on Instagram, DM me directly. Um, Today on the show, I have one of the most innovative goaltending coaches in Canada that I've seen in a long time. And his reputation continues to grow year after year, not just domestically, but globally as well. Matt Smith. Matt and I had such an in-depth nitty-gritty conversation you guys are going to absolutely love this one if you're looking to get a real grip on the technical side of goaltending you know uh matt and i honestly could have talked for hours this this one goes a little bit longer than usual but i know you guys are going to want to listen to every minute of it so make sure to stick around to the end as he drops so much advice for young goaltenders trying to transition to the next level um, shout out to my patrons, Ethan, Joey, Nick, and Matt for supporting my work. And because of them, I was able to get some new lights, a new mic to up my production quality on my content to continue to give back to you guys. So thank you, gentlemen. Your support means the world to me, and I'm looking forward to continuing to serve you guys and support you in your journeys. Every dollar this business makes, I just want to make this clear, is being filtered right back into it, like it's not going in my pocket. I I have an audio editor now, I have a video editor, I have a website editor, a graphics editor, uh, new equipment, and I'm going to continue to filter every single dollar that you guys are willing to support me with back into the business for years to come to continue to scale this thing and make it just an unbelievable experience for my community members. So if I've helped you at all in your journey so far, and if you're looking for some extra perks while also supporting my work, for just a few bucks, you can become a part of my inner circle and get stuff like a shout out on the podcast, access to a private group Zoom Q&A streams, my private group chat where I give behind the scenes look into goalie hacks and my day-to-day work, new tips, hacks, and strategies I haven't released yet because there's plenty of those. And also some other things like monthly video review, one-on-one personal to uh, personal development to help you find a place to play, you know, uh, up your game, get the results you need to move up and get a scholarship if that's what you're looking for. So every dollar counts, like I said. It's all going to end up going back to you guys uh, to make the experience better, to continue to up the quality and everything. So if that's something that interests you, head on over to my Patreon, 
page in the show notes or at patreon.com slash goalie hacks or hit me up directly for more details on how to get started. As always, quick shout out to our main supporter of the show, NeuroTracker, and we've gotten 16 kids started so far and the feedback has been nothing short of phenomenal. A few kids have gotten back on the ice already after using it and they're blown away by how well they're reacting and tracking pucks. You know, to me, there's honestly nothing out there that gives you as big of an impact as this, as fast as this, while being more effective than anything else I've seen today and being more cost effective too. You know, they're very close to launching to the general public in the next six to eight weeks. So stay tuned for more details. But to kick off our sponsorship, we're giving away two subscriptions to the new NTX product, not available to the public yet. So stick around to the end of the show to get details on how to enter. Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. I know you guys are going to love the chat matt and i had today hello everyone and welcome back to the goalie hacks podcast i'm excited today to be joined by one of the biggest upcoming names in canadian goaltending matt smith matt is quickly establishing himself as one of the premier goaltending coaches in not just canada but the world and has worked with dozens of professional major junior and ncaa division one goaltenders he was the goalie coach for the guelph storm for six years and in 2014 became the second youngest coach ever to win an OHL championship at 24 years old. In 2019, his program had five of the 24 goalies across Canada that were invited to Hockey Canada's program of excellence, goaltending camps. As of recently, both in 2018 and 19, he worked with both of the goaltenders selected first among goalies in the OHL draft, and in fact were both the highest goalies selected in the OHL draft since 2002, going 27th and 7th overall, respectively. He now trains almost 25% of all the goalies in the OHL, including the 2020 World Junior Gold Medalist from Team Canada, Nico Dawes. I love the approach he takes when it comes to building efficiency, and I couldn't be happier to have him on the show today. Matt, how you doing, buddy? Thanks for coming on the show, man. Good. That was a long intro. I like it, though. It sounded good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... Uh, you know, you're willing to come on my show. I usually like to uh, give the viewers a little bit of an insight in terms of what they're going to get. You know, it's uh, it's awesome to reconnect. It's It's been a little bit since you and I last saw each other. And for those of you that don't know, I actually met Matt through my little cousin uh, a couple years ago and I, or last summer, I think it was. And I, and I believe, yeah, it was last summer, right? Yeah. And, and I believe you sent me an email regarding coming to the facility to train um, in the in the greater Toronto area and I sort of put it off and I regret it honestly because we finally you know made some time to get together and I totally understood why my cousin was trying to get me in with you you know we had a you have an amazing and innovative approach when it comes to goaltending and, and I'm excited to chat today and to, to dive into some of those concepts yeah for sure no I appreciate coming on I love like I said to you before I love the uh, I love the content that you guys are putting out I think it's amazing it's good for the young athletes to, to listen to and, and learn from. And I certainly endorse it to our players because, you know, it's been great for, for me to listen to it too. And you take a, you take a little bit away from everything, right? So every little bit helps, especially in a competitive yeah. environment like goaltending. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I saw you're doing a bunch of online stuff with your site now. Uh, it sounds like you're staying busy during COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like it's been, it's been wild. Like your schedule changes completely, but I'm probably equally as busy. Um, doing the online stuff was, was fun. Uh, a lot of work. It's always more time consuming than you think, but it was, uh, it was good. Like you got some content up now. 
um, you know, you can be an online member for our site. Cause I just, I just found I was training so many goalies, but it's, it's, there's only one of me. So it was hard. And so I wanted to share my knowledge a bit more. And, yeah. um, I thought that platform was probably the best way to do it. Um, and it, it, it goes through instructional videos, there's breakdowns, you know, of game film and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's pretty cheap too. It's like, it's five bucks a month. So it's, it's pretty affordable and, and we didn't want to make it too expensive, but it was more just reaching out to as many goalies, trying to get them better in this time. Yeah. You know, that's a little bit uncertain right now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, hopefully, uh, I, I keep hearing mixed things. I hear people telling me the rinks are open in July and then I see, I don't know if you saw, but LA County, which is Los Angeles, right. And yeah. the, they're, they've extended their stay at home orders for another three months. Yeah. So, I don't yeah. really know what's going to go on. I don't know. What do you think of all of it? Yeah, it's pretty uncertain right now. Like we're, we're preparing as if we're, our facility is going to be open for June 1st, but we're not a hundred percent. Obviously we just, we're just saying, listen, guys, let's be ready to go. Yeah. Um, let's be ready to be back for June 1st. But there's no, I mean, there's no indication this could be a lot longer. You know, I, I'm yeah. more concerned probably honestly, like the training side, I think will be fine. Cause eventually, you know, if we do small groups and stuff like that, it should yeah. be okay. And we're all one-on-one with our facility, but it's more like, I don't know when the seasons are going to start and like, if they're going to yeah. be able to crowds, like I, I can't see that happening, but I'm not, you know, it's hard to say. So you just got to take it day by day and just make sure everybody's safe and, and, and you're yeah. trying to get better too, right? Like it's a, it's a tough time, but you got to be innovative. You got to try to find new ways to improve. And, and that's really the challenge right now ahead of us. But it's a good opportunity too, right? Like there's a lot of guys that won't take this opportunity to get better. And this is your time that you might be able to like push ahead a little bit in some yes. way. So if you look at it that way, it's a little different, right? Well, a lot of people I'm sure sitting on their couch and in their bed, Netflixing all day. And I, you know, I, I messaged some kids and I, they respond to me like ASAP and I know they're just sort of sitting on their phone a little bit, but you know, like you said, it's sort of a time where you, where you can get ahead if, if you use it appropriately, whether and even on like recruiting side of things, I think, you know, like all these coaches are sitting at home, they're they're checking their emails, their phones. And, and then, you know, there's so many kids still wondering what's going to what's going to sort of transpire. The season will eventually get going right, whether yeah. it's a month or two from now. So, no, I think that's great advice. You definitely want to want to jump and take advantage of this time, whether like mentally, physically recruiting side or whatever. But for sure, um, let's let's jump right in. You know, let's get after it. Maybe you can just start off by, you know, sharing a bit of your story. You know, how we, how we sort of got here today and when you started your goalie school and how it's developed over the years. Yeah, for sure. Like I well, obviously you like most of us, we started playing the position and, and at some point that comes to an end. And for me, like. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to grow up in, in a great uh, environment. I, I, you know, played in the water, the minor hockey system, which was phenomenal all the way up and played AAA all the way up. And then um, ended up signing a contract with the uh, Ontario Hockey League with the Kitchen Rangers. And, um, and I never actually got to play. Um, I never got a shot because there was a coaching change. Um, mm. And but I but I got to experience an OHL championship there um, with that group. Mm. And they were, we were actually hosting the World Cup that year. But so it was a it was a toss up between you know trying to get an NCAA scholarship or accepting a contract as a free agent. Um, being from Waterloo, we're, we're connected to Kitchener, and um, you know it was it was almost like a, a dream at that age to play for the Rangers. And so I decided right. to go that route, and um, I got to play with Steve Mason. Um, you know he was a, he was our other goalie, just a phenomenal player. No way. 
I, I realized quickly that, you know, the NHL probably wasn't a path that, that I was going to go on when, when, it, when you got a guy six foot four, that's, you know, significantly more athletic than you are. I, I kind of said, uh, maybe you should carve out another path if I want to stay in the game. So, so I learned pretty fast, but um, I learned pretty quickly that, that I, I probably should become a coach and, um, it was a natural fit. I, I've been coaching goalies, you know, at goalie schools since I was 14. So yeah, um, it was a bit of a natural progression progression. So, um, and then I went to school, um, and played at the university of Guelph for a bit. Um, and then I actually decided to go back to junior for one more year and play junior B, which is a lot of fun. So we won a Southern cup there. So that was the, that was the, the, the big prize at the junior B level. And, um, mm-hmm. But it was a lot of fun. And, and but I had already started my my goalie school at that point when I was still playing. So I was pretty young, um, and that's when it started. Was when I was in university, my my first year of university when I played for the Guelph Griffins. Um, you know, I started a school, and it was it was a small. It was tiny. We had two, we had actually two clients. <laughs> that was it. So so yeah. it was really small. And then uh, after I was done playing, I I took it a bit more seriously. So I started taking it really seriously in 2011, and. Um, you know, we started uh, a small facility. It was actually in a gym. It was synthetic ice. So everybody hates synthetic ice, but it got me my start. <laughs> I can't be too mad at it, but it, you could only do <laughs> things. But it, it was pretty painful to, to watch some of, the, some of the kids try to try to move on it. But yeah. um, but we started there, and then we built um, we built another facility um, in in Cambridge, Ontario, which is just outside Toronto, and um, you know it was a little bit bigger, real ice, and all that stuff, and um, you know, I was coaching at the time uh, in junior B um, with the Guelph Hurricanes. They actually don't even exist anymore, but I was coaching mm-hmm. there. And our goalie did really well. And, you know, I, I offered my services, you know, to volunteer and help out any way I could with the Guelph Storm at the time. Um, you know, so I was a young guy and just trying to learn off their goalie coach at the time. And, yeah. um, you know, the next year, just they happened to have a, a, a change in, in coaching and, you know, I got the call to come in and do an interview and um, I didn't think the interview went great because it was kind of a, it was an interesting interview that, you know, I was like, I don't know if, if you heard all my, Why is that? but Mike Kelly was good. And he called me a couple of days later and said, you know, you got the job. And then I was there for six great years. And, yeah. um, and then, and then it was just kind of time for me to move on from the organization in a sense that like, I, I wanted to focus primarily on our clients and, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think the focus sometimes when you're in a team environment is good, but it can sometimes be just directed towards, um, you know, the team winning. And and for me, it was more now my journey's changed a little bit to get these guys to the next level. And it's been mm-hmm. you know, a lot of fun in all honesty. And uh, that's where I stand today. And, and our school's done pretty well. And we're just trying to, you know, make uh, every goalie we, we teach, teach better. Yeah. Was that sort of your goal when you got into coaching? You eventually wanted to end up in the OHL. Yeah, I mean, I, I, to me, like my goals changed a little bit in the sense of like it was um, originally it was OHL and try to get to the NHL, and, and I still, you know, would love to to coach in the National League. But at the end of the day, it's not something that you know I'm as focused on. I'm more focused on the journey now. But back then, yeah. when you're young that's really what you're focused on. You're trying to get to the highest level as possible because you're, off, you're just off playing, right? So as a player, that's what you do. You, you're like, how do I get to the next level? So, yeah. so right away you get into coaching, you're like, okay, now how do I, you have the same mindset. You're like, how do I get to the next level? Yeah. And for me, that was, you know, coaching in the Ontario League and then the NHL. But you, you quickly realize that 
you know, when you focus on just getting to the next level, you're really missing the details that are required to be an excellent coach. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that's where, you know, my outlook has changed quite a bit since coaching, but, but yeah, it was the original plan to, to try and get to that level. And I was lucky because I got hired when I was 22. Um, and, yeah, and, very and that's, you know, I mean, obviously pretty unheard of. I'm not sure they knew I was 22, to be honest, but <laughs> they probably hired me. And they said, are you sure you want to hire this guy? He's 22 years old. But uh, so I was like, I knew a lot of the guys, like I was the same age as a lot of them. So it was like very, it was very strange, you know, coaching, um, coaching the players at that age. But but you learn to adapt really more than anything. Yeah. But that was ultimately the goal. It just came a little sooner than I expected. Yeah. Um, so I want to dive right into some of the good stuff uh, regarding some of the, the clients that you have and you've been working with. You know, um, For starters, the amazing story of, of Nico Dawes this year, uh, undrafted to the OHL, nowhere to be found on NHL Central scouting to start the year and all of a sudden comes out of nowhere, make, makes Team Canada and steals the World J job. Uh, during the round robin, if I remember correctly. And now he's ranked number one amongst North American goaltenders by NHL Central Scouting. Maybe just talk a bit about, you know, um, how this huge turn happened, you know, when you guys met and maybe how he was before meeting you and, and now after where he's come and, and having won a gold medal. Yeah, it's certainly like from from my perspective, it's a humbling, you know, and proud moment of mine just to be a small part of it you know and and there's a lot of people i think that deserve a lot of credit first and foremost is nico i mean he put in the work and absolutely and, and he's the guy that got it done and then you know at the end of the day there's still a lot to be to be done and, and accomplished but you know he was the guy who did it and, and and that's the first thing but you know there's tons of credit that should go around but for it, sure for me, it was it's an amazing story um and I think the first thing to realize is the story wasn't built this summer. Like that's the one thing that I don't think Nico gets enough credit. I think when yeah. we talk about him, um, you know, there's a lot of stories out there talking about his, his summer training and how he got better and, and he came back better. And that, and that is true, but I think that downplays how much work actually went in. This was a, this was four years in the making of just yeah. work and working on physical conditioning and, and working on, from my perspective, the on ice stuff, like it, it didn't just happen overnight. Um, you know, and that's where I think we sometimes, you know, don't give him enough credit by saying, Oh, he just showed up one summer and worked really hard. And he, he, yeah. he you know, nothing team. happens overnight, right. You got to exactly. put in that work. Exactly. Over years. Yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, you know, I've been working, uh, what's the quote I've been working X amount of years to be an overnight, overnight success. Right. Like, and that, <laughs> That's exactly what, what happened with Nico. I, I think he, he was always a good goaltender, um, but I think he lacked opportunity was number one. And I think that's a big topic for young guys is like sometimes your shot, you know, doesn't come when you want it to come and you have to be ready when your chance does come. And he got lucky this year that they made a trade with one of the older goalies um, on their team and they, you know, they moved on from him and he got a, he got a chance and he, and I think he sensed that his chance was coming. Um, yeah. and he really didn't get a chance till 19 years old, which is a good story for young guys to, to understand. And so opportunity was number one. And then the second thing that really stood out is he really dedicated himself. He, he really went all in and it's not that he didn't work hard. Nico Dawes worked hard on the ice with me. Every, every time I've been on the ice with him, he's worked hard. There, we, there was no issues of work ethic. The challenge was 
getting him to an emotional level to work as hard off the ice. And mm-hmm. that's where he lacked a little bit. And nutrition wise, it was a struggle. And, and, you know, I think for him, like he dug really deep into why he um, needed to do this. And, and I think ultimately that's what really pushed him over the edge. Um, but he was always a good goaltender, you know, even growing up, you know, we, I watched him and scouted him and, and I really liked him. And when I was in Guelph, we, we drafted him. So obviously we thought there was some yeah. potential there, but there was obviously some elements missing and, um, you know, he put in a ton of work in the off season. That's why it gets documented so well, but it's, uh, you know, he, he worked for years for this. And I, I you know, I, like I said, I couldn't be more proud of just being a tiny part of it. Yeah. So maybe you can just talk a bit about, you know, sort of the whole picture, right? Because obviously, like you just said, there's a lot more than goes into it than just going on the ice and working hard. So maybe, you know, what's some advice that you can sort of give to some younger athletes in in terms of maybe evaluating themselves, their lifestyle and and sort of every making sure everything is in line with their their long term goals, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that you kind of hit it like on the head, even just in the question, like, you have to be exceptionally honest with yourself, you know, and that's, that's the one thing that with young goalies, I find, um, especially they're not honest in a lot of areas. They believe they're better than they probably are. And, and, and in large part, because the culture you're brought up in is it's a very small, um, window that you're looking at in the sense of you're, you're playing with the same similar players um, you're usually one of the better goalies at your age group um, and that sort of thing. So it's a, it's a very small group of, of players you're playing against. We, we don't understand that if you want to get to the next level of hockey, whatever that is, the window opens up drastically to who is eligible to you're competing against. So you have yeah. to know who you're competing against and you have to be honest with yourself on areas where um, you can get better. Um, and that doesn't even have to be on the ice. It can be off the ice as well. I think a lot of goalies lack honesty um, and, and self-reflection. Um, and you need to build that into your life. And that's the one thing that I, I find, you know, really lacks with young athletes. They, they think they're good because they've had success at the level they've had or at the level mm-hmm. they're at rather. And that's the biggest mistake you can make. Even the NHL goaltenders, you know, if you said that, if, well, let's, let's do this. If you look back, you know, 10 years ago and you watched like, let's say a Pecorine. Okay. I use him as an example because he's changed a lot. The game has changed so much in that 10 year span. And Pecorine has changed so much in that 10 year span. If he was to say, okay, I'm just going to, you know what? I've had success doing what I'm doing. I've been really, really good. I'm going to stay exactly how I am. He wouldn't be in the league anymore. He wouldn't be in the NHL, you know? So, and same for, for any goaltender that's had a long career. And, and that's what I think young goalies need to realize is you may be the best at your age group. You may be really good and really successful where you're at, but in order to get to the next level, you have to be way better because that it gets extremely difficult, you know, there's only one net and it gets competitive and everybody's as good as you are. So to differentiate yourself, you have to be humble. And you have to be honest with the direction you're heading and where you're spending your time. And I had this discussion with another goaltender, a client of mine, and I was saying to him that I'm like, look, you have to decide if you want to be one of the guys or you want to be a goaltender, because 
playing goal is different than playing out and playing player. For sure. It's totally different. It demands everything. Exactly. You're, ne- you're, 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 you're pushed into a leadership role right off the bat. You, right. And whether you like it or not, you're a leader as a goaltender and you don't have to be vocal or anything like that, but you are pushed into a leadership role. So you have to perform and you have to act differently than the players. That's just the bottom line. And, and that's when, you know, I, I, and that's where I see a lot of goalies struggle with is being able to take that responsibility on um, and being able to, to basically put that into their daily routines and daily life. Um, But if you can do that, because it's so hard to do, you're going to be way more successful than the guy beside you. So that's the good thing with struggle is it's going to be hard for everybody. And most guys are going to, are not going to put that fo- level of focus and discipline into their yeah. daily lives. And if you can do it, you're going to be way more successful than, than, than the other guys. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. So with Nico Dawes, you know, where would you say that he excels the most that sort of allowed him to, I guess, stick with it and, and sort yeah. of come out of nowhere, you know, to prove to people that he's on his way to becoming uh, an elite goaltender um, that's NHL material. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a good segue, right? Because he he's one of the most humble athletes that I've ever coached. And I and that's his that's his superpower to me, you know, and yeah. I've always said that to him, like and being having humility is such an important part to playing goal. And I think that's, that's where he's really good. Um, he, the, the struggle with that is sometimes you take actually too much responsibility, you know, and you get too hard on yourself and you have to be able to balance that. Right. So that, that was one thing we worked a lot on from a mental side. Um, and that's what I would say his biggest strength is honestly, and it's nothing physical. Like he's obviously, he's a big goaltender, um, he's, he sees the puck really, really well for a big goalie. Um, he's positionally sound and all that stuff. But I think his superpower to me is he is humble and so down to earth. And that comes from his environment, his upbringing. Um, and, and to me, that's his biggest asset. Um, you know, we all think about the physical traits, right? But I yeah. think that is actually his, his biggest strength as a goaltender and why I think he's going to have a long career in the game. Yeah, no, I know. I, it's funny, right? Like if you look at a guy like even like me, you know, it's it, everybody's so focused on that physical side of the game. But how is it that some of these smaller guys are able to excel? Um, and I think that the mental part of the game plays such a strong role because when you, even when you get to pro hockey, everybody sure. has the tools, everybody has the skills. Right. And, and I think that those things that separate you are the mental side. Um, and I love that you said having humility because I'm just such a big advocate for that, you know, looking in the mirror and saying, Hey, you know, uh, we lost three, two today. I, I put up a 40 save game, but could I have had one more, you know, could I have stopped or could I have, could I have stopped more of those pucks and being honest with yourself and sort of not listening to the people around you? Because I think we all fall into that trap of like, Oh, parents say, Oh, you're the better goalie or you played better or your coaches say, Oh, you played good. But we we need to hold ourselves to the highest standard, right? We know when we could have stopped pucks and, and, and that factors right into that humility. But with him, um, you know, what was something that you guys worked on together in terms of, so that way he wasn't too hard on himself, but he was holding himself accountable. What are some things that you said to him that uh, sort of got through to him? Yeah. I mean, like, honestly, like it was more just 
with me, it's, it's a daily thing where, you know, as a coach, you can't be too high or too low and you have to stay even keel. And that's hard for me because I'm an emotional guy and I'm very passionate about what I'm doing. So sometimes it's a little bit challenging where you want to be a little bit more high when things are going well, you get a little low when things are not going well. So it's a, it's a fine line right off the bat. But when you have a goaltender that is humble, he knows, he knows when he screwed up, right? Like, like he knows when he made a mistake, you don't have to harp on the mistakes a lot with him. You have to just simply look at him and say, okay, this is the area we're going to focus on this week. This is the area we're going to get better at. Um, and, And that's really the direction he had. So it's a daily, it's a daily focus to stay, even keel as a coach. Um, I don't think there was one, we, we did have a couple discussions that were pretty in depth and, and I remember pretty emotional, um, you know, just to find his why and why he was doing things the way he was doing things. But for the most part, it's just a daily practice of, you know, staying even keel all the way through. Um, but I don't think there was one specific thing, um, you know, that was said to him, but it was more just, like I said, staying even keel and not, um, getting too far ahead of yourself or, yeah. or too high or too low um, as the season goes on. Cause players pick up on that. Like they pick up on body language. They, when you're stressed, they know you're stressed. They may not be able to describe it in words, um, but they, they can pick up on it. So it starts with the coach, um, you know, and making sure that, you know, if you are a goalie coach to, to, to make sure that you understand that your body language and everything is being picked up on. So that's an important thing. And I would say that's the biggest thing is, is consistency with your message. Yeah. Yeah. Now you mentioned that you also worked with Hunter Jones, who signed an NHL contract uh, recently with the Minnesota wild. So congrats to you and him. And you mentioned that he was the last cut at the world juniors. And you said you had a, you said you had an interesting story regarding them both at the draft and in the tournament. So maybe you can give us an inside scoop on what went down. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Like I, I told this story to Nico a bunch of times cause he, um, and he, he always laughed and I told his parents too, but it was funny. Like we were in Guelph. So they both, um, they both, uh, were draft eligible. They're both 2000 birthdays. So they're the same age and they're both eligible for the OHL draft. And I remember, um, you know, it was going to the draft. I was really excited um, because I had two goalies that I targeted that I really liked. Now, as a goalie coach, you're not sure if you're going to get your way at the draft, right? Because ultimately, yeah. it makes the decision. But they look for your input. Certain teams do. Some some teams won't. So if you're, you know, coaching at an Ontario Hockey League level or higher, some and in the NHL, you probably don't get as much say because they have tons of scouts. But in the OHL, um, there aren't as many scouts because just based on budgets. Right. So, so the goalie coach will go out and watch a lot of the goalies and you know, give their impact. And in Guelph, it happened that I had a little bit more say I'd been there for, for some years at that point. And, and I had a good, great relationship with Mike Kelly. So he really took what I had to say seriously. So we go into the draft and, you know, I was super excited because I'm sitting there going like, I've got one guy I really like that will go a little bit early, but not too early where we're wasting a pick. And then I've got another guy I really like that no one knows about. So and going to the draft, I'm super excited. I'm like, okay, this is the year we're going to get, you know, the guy, you, you know, I really want, yada, yada, yada. So we go in and a couple rounds go by and I'm like, okay, I got to start to think about taking my guy. And the guy was Hunter Jones. So, so Jonesy was high on my list and uh, we get to round, I think it was round four, uh, three or four. And I was like, we should start thinking about taking Hunter Jones. Like, I really think he's good. He's going to be a pro. Like, you know, this guy's got you know, really good upside. I really like him and our head scout. Yeah. 
goes, no, no, no. Like we can get him later. He was on a bad team, you know? So I'm like, okay, but like, we should probably, you know, think about taking him. And, uh, you know, we get to the third round, we don't take him. So I'm a little getting a little antsy now. I'm, you know, getting a little bit like on end. Like, okay. We got, we got, okay. It's round four. This is it. We got to take him. Um, so we had a pick in the fourth round and then we had two picks in the fifth, if I'm not mistaken. We won early at the, at the beginning of the draft and, uh, they really liked a player in the fourth round and I was button heads and I'm, you know, trying to get this, I'm like, come on, this is, you know, I don't fight for guys too often. I'm telling you, this is the guy, you know, he's going to be a great goal in our league. And, um, you know, and, and we're button heads a little bit. So they end up getting their way. They say, well, we'll take them at the, so we had a pick late in the fourth a pick early in the fifth. So we'll take them. We'll take them early in the fifth. Is that okay? It's like three picks from now, just the way it lined up, the way the draft lined up. And, and when you trade for picks, sometimes you have picks in weird spots. So I'm like, yeah. okay, I can wait three picks. I think we can get them at the top of the fifth round. So the top of the fifth round comes up and what do all the scouts say? They go, ah, like, cause they never want to draft a goalie. Right. Like, so, the, yeah. so they're, so they're like, ah, like we like this defenseman. I'm like, guys, like we need to take, like, this is the guy. Like, I'm telling you, he's not going to get past the fifth round. I know because I just from hearing guys talking, like I knew guys kind of liked them. So I was like, yeah. you know, this isn't going to be good. Somebody's going to take a shot on them. Somebody, right? Yeah. And and Peterborough, who he ended up going to, had um, had three picks in the round or two picks or something like that. I'm like, they're, they just by numbers, they're going to take a goaltender, right? So, yeah. so sure enough, they get their way and um, – and we take and we take a defenseman, and then what happens is we actually draft the first overall that year. So Ryan Merkley um, actually walks in because when you get drafted, you come to the arena or whatever. And this, in this case, we were at a hotel, but just to meet the staff and stuff. And as soon as Ryan Merkley walked in the door, um, I heard Hunter name, Hunter's name get called. So I was livid, like, and and I probably said some words that. You couldn't say, you can't say on the podcast. So I was pretty, <laughs> so the first, it's funny because the first impression that Ryan had was me, the goalie coach being pissed at the GM and the, and the, uh, and our head scout. Right. So it's hilarious. Like, there's a funny scene. Like he walks in with his family. It just, it, it was just crazy timing. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're going back and forth. Like, I'm like, I'm like, I told you we should have taken him, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And I was so mad. Right. So then I left and, um, you know, somebody come and came and got me. They're like, you got to stay in the draft. We got to, we got to take goalie at some point. So just, you know, I know you're pissed, but you got to come back. So yeah, I get back in the room. Um, and, uh, we, we, we look at the other goalies on our list and, and obviously, you know, I was, I think I got this guy that's really big. He's pretty good athlete. You know, he was on a really bad team, right? Nobody really knows who right. he is. Right. And I'm like, and it gets to about round six and they want to take another goal. And I was like, no, I don't like the guy you guys want. Like he was better suited in that slot, but I'm like, I want my guy. Um, you know, so we get to round seven and no one has a clue who Nico Dawes is, right? Except me, the GM and our head scout. But a lot of the other scouts really were like, we don't really know much about him. Like he's okay, but we could get him in the 15th round. So our scout goes to me, he goes, hey, like we could probably get this goalie later. And oh my I, I just looked at him and, and I looked at him and I, and he, he, I did not say a word. I stared at him and he, Mike Kelly and, and our head coach goes, okay, take whoever you want. So I, getting, <laughs> so I ended up getting Nico in the seventh round. I got my way cause I was so pissed. 
uh, about their odds before. So it's ironic um, that they ended up being the two guys competing for a world junior job. Uh, but I ended up getting getting my way with Nico um, in the seventh round. But he could have went a little bit later. Um, so we got we got fortunate to get the guy. But it was uh, it was a wild story because they ended up being good friends later on. They tra- we all trained together and. Um, and then obviously they're competing for the world junior job and it was just kind of a, it was a funny, uh, little story and, and, and just kind of a little inside look on what can sometimes go on at on, yeah. on draft day in the OHL. And, you know, uh, there's some competitive minds, uh, at work. Right. But it was, it was a funny story. Yeah, no, that's crazy, man. How that worked out. And I think just, uh, you know, shed some light in terms of, I think your knowledge and, and being able to sort of, uh, foresee, some of the talent, you know, some of uh, uh, what's going to be able to transition well. Um, and we'll talk about that a little later in, in the conversation. But I just want to dive right now into your coaching philosophy. And then we can sort of branch out in some specific areas regarding your approach. But I just I just love the way, you know, you, you do things. It's very simple, yet very effective. Maybe you can just give us a bit of insight into, you know, some of the core areas you focus on when you bring new goaltenders into your studio and you start working with them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I like, I think for me, like the, the first thing we touched on, you know, we got to be honest with the player. We got to be honest where the deficiencies lie um, and understand that it takes a certain level of commitment and competitiveness to get you to that level. Right. Because what we're trying to change as coaches is subconscious behavior. And Mm even just in life, how difficult it is to change a subconscious mind is, is, very challenging. It, it, you're going to go through hurdles that you never thought you'd have to face and, and barriers that you never thought you had to face. So the first thing is getting honest with the player on their commitment level um, before we do anything else and, and understand that it's going to be a long journey here. So, and that's our big philosophy with, with the players is that we want to train them as individuals and know that everybody's a little bit different and all our stuff is primarily done one-on-one. That's why we have a facility, um, you know, max probably two to one. Um, and sometimes we'll do full ice stuff depending on, on what we need. But the point being is we know that it's going to be a hard road ahead um, to change subconscious behavior. And, and that would be the biggest thing to start. And then you just start kind of breaking down where the areas of improvement need to be, um, both from a movement and safe selection perspective, because those are two things we're going to do every game. We're going to move, we're going to have to get set, and we're going to have to make a save. So um, we break those down and we make sure that we're at at an area of efficiency that is good enough to play at hockey's highest level. That's the goal, always. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter you know, we're not going to put a ceiling on a player. We're not going to say this player's here. That means they can't get here. No, no, no. It's, you know, our focus is how do we get the player to be the best version of themselves? And it always starts with subconscious behavior and, um, you know, how you move. You never want to be thinking in the net. So um, a lot of what we're trying to improve on is going to be daily habits and consistency on, on getting to the next level uh, of that mindset. And, um, that's primarily where we're going to start is skating and save selection right off the bat and try to really hone in on, you know, where the levels of improvement need to go to get to the highest level. And, and that's our primary focus for a long time. Like, I think the one thing that worked with a lot of our, our young guys is they were, they knew going in that it was going to be a long process. Like I made it very clear to them that, you know, we're going to work on a lot of the same stuff 
for a long time until we get to a level where we need to be. And then we'll get into the tactical play because to me, tactics are easier to teach. I think the harder thing to teach is skating and safe selection and making sure those are, are, are proficient. And that is, is the biggest thing. So you can see how the honesty connects with, with the product yeah. and, and, and the drive that you need to get to that level. And, and that would be my basic philosophy right off the bat. Well, so maybe you can dive a little deeper into, you know, uh, cause I, I totally believe what you're saying and, yeah. and it goes into, um, sort of body kinematics too. I don't know if you've seen like Andy Kyoto on Instagram, some of yeah. the work that he does with, with his guys in terms of, uh, piecing things together, working on the proper kinematics and then sort of yeah. speeding it up. So, you know, for you, what, what exactly do you mean by changing the subconscious mind? Yeah. So like for me, there, there's two parts of the game, right? Like, so you have things that you're going to do over and over and over again, naturally without you even really knowing, right? So how you move is often dictated by what you've done in the past and how you moved in the past, which is one thing. And then obviously what you see in front of you. So for me, I want to be able to dig into the areas where you're naturally moving and how we can improve those areas naturally. Um, so you, so in a game, you could just go out and play. Um, and that's the big thing with the subconscious mind theory is we need to be able to move a certain way to be the most effective as possible without having to think about it. So when we're training, we're not in that, in that state of mind, when we're training at the beginning, we're, we're consciously looking at the details on how we should be moving to be the best we can be. And then hopefully if you do that enough it becomes subconscious. So you have to build the subconscious. You can't start subconsciously and do it right away. If we could do that, it would be a lot easier. We could roll through goals a lot faster, but you have to start with the conscious mind and say, okay, this training model is not going to translate to the game right away. And and nor should we expect it to. It's going to start with just working on something as simple as maybe we have counterweight, we come back before we push, right? Maybe, maybe we don't lead with our lead hand, right? Like maybe we're, we're over rotating on the middle of our T push, whatever, or, or shuffle or whatever it is, whatever the issue is, we have to consciously work on it first. And then eventually you do that enough, it becomes subconscious behavior and you see it result in a game because the game, the game is very simple, right? If you look at the way the game's played, it's very simplistic in the sense there's only a, a certain amount of variety that can happen in, in the game just based on systems and that sort of thing. So the complexity doesn't come from the game. It comes from the improvement of the subconscious skills. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the complexity. Not, not, so if you look at our drills, our drills aren't complex. They're very simple. In fact, sometimes we know that just literally pushing from face up that angle to face up that angle is enough of a drill to work on what we need to work on, right? So it's more about digging deeper and finding those finer details to be able to make them better. And that's where that comes into play. Mm -hmm. And how can we, you know, for people listening, um, because obviously I think it's very intuitive for you and I, but you know, what, what do you sort of do with your guys in order to one, identify deficiencies and then two, sort of build that that subconscious strength? Is it just like through repetition or type of drill? What, what is it? Yeah, I, I, well, the way I look at it is 
the first thing I, I would say the first thing that most coaches I would say make an error on is I think they move a bit too fast in all honesty. Um, right. And, and again, it goes back to being honest with the player that it's not going to be fun right away. We're going to slow this down. Are you ready to do that? Are you, are, and we communicate that. Are, are you ready to take this slow? Um, and that's the first thing and really dive in into the understanding portion of it, where when I'm working on a movement with you, Mike, I'm sitting there and going, okay, the first thing I have to be able to do is I have to get you to understand where your mistake is. Mm-hmm. I have to get you to say, oh, I feel that that was an error. I felt, I felt what you were talking about, Matt, right? That's the first step. Because if you understand it and you can say, oh, I know what it feels like to do it wrong, then we're, we're closer to the next step of doing it right, right? Mm-hmm. So then once we get that and we, we know how it's done wrong, the next step is let's slow it down. Let's get it to be done correctly. And now you know the feeling of what it feels like to be done correctly. So now we're at the process where we can replicate that and do it again, right? So, so we, can, we can do it a, a second time, a third time, a fourth time, right? And, and that's, the, that's what we're trying to hit. So that way, when I'm not training you, you can have a game plan going into your practice and say, okay, if I get 10 minutes, I can work on that little movement with Matt that really makes me stop a little bit more effective or gets my eyes to the right level all the way through the movement or whatever the technical point is, right? So that's the level that, that you need to start at. Slow and understanding. Slow and understanding is the first step. If you start quickly, you're never going to fully understand where your deficiencies are and you're, never gonna, you're, you're slowly going to creep back into bad habits. You can start really quick but you will slowly go back into the same habits you've always done because you don't know the difference in feeling, right? When you understand the difference of what it feels like to do it correctly versus feeling what it, what or getting the feeling for doing it wrong, you can now understand how to be able to make those improvements. And that's the biggest thing for me is we take things way too quick and the goalie doesn't understand the difference. They don't truly understand. They, they make, they, they make understand in theory, but they don't know what it feels like to do it right versus wrong. Yeah. And that's where there's a disconnect because there's not enough time. Right. So by doing things one-on-one and, and more in a mentorship style, you have, you're playing a game that's different than everyone else. Like everyone else. Like, so if I, if I go on the ice and I have 20 goalies on the ice at the time, right. My, my time between all those players is, is limited. Right. If you're playing a game to say, okay, I'm going to work with this one athlete and we have unlimited time because if it takes longer, I just take longer on the ice, right? right. I'm playing a game that's infinite, right? When you have goalies that are, there's 20 goalies on the ice, you're playing a game that's finite. You're playing a game that restricts you time-wise. Yeah. So, so that's where we maximize development, right? And that's how you get to that next level. But you got to start slow. You got to get the understanding first. Once yeah. you get that, you, you, speed can come. Right. Speed is easy later on. It's not a, a hard thing to do once you get the, the, the efficiency of the movement down. So that's where you want to try to head. And that's the goal at the beginning. And that's that's the approach we take. But again, it always goes back to that core of being honest with the player and saying, look, we need to do this. And this is where this is the path we need to do to get there. And if you do this, I promise you, you'll you'll get to the next level.
So it's an understanding portion as well. And I think that's the the biggest philosophy that is overlooked in today's game. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's sort of tough to iron out kinks. You know, you're, you're essentially rebuilding that muscle memory, right? You have to identify correctly, whether it's like you're pulling up as you're moving or you're like you mentioned counterweight before you push, um, slowing things down, identifying those areas of, of deficiency. And then, you know, it's, it's sort of hard. Like you said, it takes time. You're, you're basically rebuilding that, that muscle memory you got it. You got it. and you're forcing your brain and your body to go somewhere where it hasn't really been. Right. Exactly. exactly. Um, and that's why it should be slow at the beginning. Right. Because, because you got to think of it like when you do something wrong for so long, I, 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 I don't know where I got this analogy from. So it's not mine originally, but, but some of the thing, like the way our brain works is imagine having two ditches, right? And the more you walk on one, one of the ditches, let's say that's the wrong way to move, the deeper the ditch gets, right? It just gets worn down and deeper and deeper. And it's harder, the deeper that ditch, the deeper that ditch goes, the harder it is to get out of that ditch because it's, it's much deeper ingrained in your mind. Right. So to get to the other side is really hard at the beginning. It's really tough to change your subconscious behavior. It's really hard. But once you get there and you slowly start digging on the other side, now it's harder to go back. So it's really tough at the beginning. It's almost like it's going to get worse before it gets better. Right. And it's really tough at the beginning. And then once you get it, then it gets easier and easier and easier. And it's just become part of your mind. And that's the level you need to get to, to be able to actually make true change. Right. And I'm not talking tactics, like tactics to me are not as difficult to teach. Like the subconscious behavior, the movement, the safe selection, is it at its max level? That is where, that's where greatness lies, right? Like that's where the elite lie, not, oh, does the player know how to, you know, to handle a screen i mean like yeah. yeah that's a big part of the game but you can do that with just simple practice and, and conscious behavior right yeah. it, where the greatness lies is, is the goalies that are so proficient in their subconscious behavior that they understand that they're moving the most efficiently as possible they're holding their feet they're they're doing things that are naturally the best they can be and that and that's yeah. kind of the way i look at it mm-hmm now and and obviously we're sort of going on with this question but i think what we're touching on right now is so important you know how can goalies sort of uh look to build that self-awareness i think is the right term right in order to identify and and sort of isolate and then fix you know what i mean yeah for sure i mean it's so hard like i i do get that question a lot and it's so tough to do it without someone else helping you like it like honestly it, i wish there was a better answer but it is tough when there's not someone else looking at you objectively um you know and i think it's really really challenging unless you're slowing it down and and doing it at a speed that when you're watching yourself on video or you're watching another goalie on video the game's too quick like it happens so fast so to be more self-aware from a technical perspective you really need to slow the game down. I do too. Like when I watch games, like I can't watch them at full speed to really dig into what the issues are, you know? So when I watch an NHL game and I'm breaking and I'm doing my breakdowns of the game, um, you know, I, I can't do it at full speed because you, you miss details. Right. So I, I literally will, will press pause, play, pro, pause, play until I actually see what the issue is. Mm-hmm. 
or I'll just use my software to slow it down. But but you need to be able to actually slow it down at a speed where you can see, oh, that's where the air is. But it is tough to be self-aware from that perspective because you kind of need a, a quality coach to be able to do it, right? And that and that's the the honest truth to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think so too. Obviously, like uh, you, you try to bake in some, you know, be your own coach. You know, we're all sort of away from home, away from our goalie coaches pretty often. Sure. Um, and and I think that maybe dialing in and, and reviewing video would be a good option, even yeah. with yourself, correct? For sure. That's and that's that's probably the biggest way to do it is is you've got to be able to, well, you have to be a student of the game, right? Like, and that's the first thing. Like, so if your mindset's not, like, I'm not um, a student of the game. And and what that really truly means is I'm an artist, right? Like, so if you don't have an artist mentality about goaltending, th- this won't work for you, right? Like, <laughs> if you're just like a guy that wants to go out there and stop pucks, you, we, we've all played with guys like that, right? Yeah. And simplicity is great, like in some ways, like, and sometimes it works for them. Sometimes it doesn't because like we said, their behavior doesn't match align with what happened in the game. So the, so the results vary, right? But if, but to be a student of the game, you're true. What you truly are is you're an artist, right? So you're, you're a person that will take your performance and say, how can I tinker this performance to be more efficient? How can I tinker this to be a little bit better? Right? So you have to be an artist and you have to have an artist mentality to be able to look at a situation and go, that was good. This is better. Right. Yeah. And if you can do that by watching film, you'll find the areas that you need to get better at. You'll find them because we've always said this, and this is a common quote, and it's also well-documented. Um, if you search for problems, you'll find problems. If you search for solutions, you'll find solutions. It's that mm-hmm. simple. Right. So, so if you look at a situation, you go, Oh, my defense did this, this, and this, you know, and that's how I got scored on. Well, that's a problem. You're going to find a problem, right? But if your mindset is, okay, I'm looking for the solution to the problem, right? Taking responsibility for your actions. It doesn't mean you're 100% responsible for a goal. As a goaltender, you are never 100% responsible for a goal because they have to go through players to get to you. So you have to find what your level of responsibility is on the play, right? And it, and it, may, be, it may be 10% responsibility, maybe 3% responsibility. What's your responsibility on the play? Once you find your responsibility on the play, then you have to, you have to ask yourself, okay, is this something that's a trend? Is it happening often or is it just part of the game and it's a variable that happened once and we don't have to worry about it? If it's a trend and it's happened multiple times, then you look at it and say, okay, it's a trend. It's happened three or four times this year, maybe more. I have to look at potentially, this is something I want to try to try to evaluate to improve on. And then you make a decision to work on that based on your, your return on investment. So you have, you'll have a bunch of things that, that you want to get better on, but you have to say, what's my return on investment on time here? What am I going to get the most out of okay, when I work on it? And that's the level you got to get to when you evaluate. And that's the same thing as a coach, right? It's the exact same thing for a coach. And, and if you do that, you'll, you will have exponential growth through your performance, but that's the way you got to approach it. If you want to be, um, if you want to get to the next level of playing in my opinion. Yeah. It's sort of, uh, and I, and I'm the same way. It's like a solution based mindset. You know what I mean? Um, you know, it's, it's, and I love the way you put it, 
because it really puts things into perspective in terms of the areas we need to focus on. And it's when they become trends. It's like on a two on one, are you constantly getting burned back door? Yeah. Uh, guy coming off the wall, something like that. Could you have played maybe an inch deeper? Right. Yeah. And, and I think that those little adjustments um, can go a, a long way in terms of sort of increasing your odds of being able to make the save in whatever situation it is. Right. You should, um, in my view, Mike, like you should evaluate a goal based on three things. You should yeah. evaluate it based on your tactical performance on the play, your tactical performance on the play and intangibles. Like, was I in the moment? Was I focused? Um, you know, was I dialed in? Right. Those are your, did I work the hardest in that? Was I as competitive as I could have been? You know, those are the three areas you should evaluate when you evaluate your performance on a, on a specific play. And you may be technically really strong. Okay. That goes back to the subconscious stuff. Mm-hmm. You may be, um, you may have an error in tactics. That's maybe something you want to look at, or maybe it's just your mindset wasn't in the right spot and you weren't at a competitive state. So when you evaluate goals, those are the three keys. It should almost be like a checkbox. It's like, okay, I was, I technically wasn't very good here. My movement wasn't great. So I didn't get set. My eyes weren't in position. Okay. That's a subconscious behavior. Let's work on that now. Okay. Um, and is it something we should value and should we work on it? And then you have the tech or tactical side where it's like, okay, was I in the right spot? Right. Did I read the play properly? You know, was my depth good? Whatever it is. And was my body posture correct? You know, that stuff's in the, in the tactical section. And then you have the, te- the intangible section, which is just basically being, are you at your peak state of performance, right? Like that's really what it comes down to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or maybe did I communicate with the player, whatever it could be. So when you evaluate goals, evaluate those three things and then ask yourself, okay, is this something that's a trend? Does it happen often? And should I get better at it? And if it's not, then it's not something you, you need to focus on yet. You may have to down the road when you get more um, adept to being able to do things correctly, if that kind of makes sense. No, I, I, I'm so glad that, that you broke it down that way. I, I know that, that people will, uh, it's sort of like building a system around evaluating yourself, right? It's self-reflection, right? Absolutely. Yeah. We build all these systems when we play. And I think to, in order to achieve that, not being too hard on yourself, sort of that humility, that give and take relationship, having a system like what you just said is exactly how we can sort of achieve that balance and be objective in every situation, uh, in every goal we let up. Right. You got it. Um, but jumping a bit, you know, I saw you work with Garrett Sparks, who's a really tall goalie. And uh, I had an opportunity to meet the guy plenty of times and skate with the Leafs over the summer here in Toronto over the years. Um, and on the show, I feel like the short topic comes up a lot. You know, I, I see all the tall guys out there. So I, I want to get your insight. So I get it. You know, I want to get your insight a bit on on working with, uh, you know, him and some tall guys over the year, maybe diving into some work. You know, what were some of the biggest things you needed to work on with him and, and some taller guys uh, over the years? Yeah, I mean, well, starting the first thing I'd start with is um, it was a different relationship for us because that was my first year coaching major junior. So I was like I said before, I was 22 and he's 19. So so you look at the dynamic, it's such a strange dynamic, but it worked. It worked really well. Like we 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 started with kind of more of a partnership. And that's just the way it had to be. It, we were just, 
we're too close in age, like respect wise. Like I just started coaching. So we, it was a partnership. We went back and forth a lot on what we should do in certain situations, how we should be able to play things. Um, and one of the best things that happened early in the year was um, Garrett um, had a very tough game against uh, the London Knights. And I remember he gave up, I think it was seven. I think we lost seven two, and, and they were a really good team. I think they ended up winning the league that year, if I'm not mistaken. They might not have, but... Um, but anyway, Sparksy struggled. He didn't have a great game. And I, and I was like, that was probably the best thing that could have happened because as a young coach, now I got a little bit of leverage to show him on video, what we really wanted to, to, to do. And, um, mm-hmm. a lot of it was as cliche as it sounds was him holding his feet. Like that's honestly, it was, and you hear it all the time, hold your feet, hold your feet. And like, what does that mean? And a lot of it was being able to, um, be patient on pucks and, not go down before the release or anything like that, just rely on size because we knew at some point, whether it was the OHL um, or the American league or the NHL, at some point he couldn't play that way um, where he was always down. And, and he was in RVH a lot um, where like laterally it was a challenge for him to get across at certain points and he would just rely on, on being big. So that was the primary focus um, for mm-hmm. him. Um, and then there was obviously off ice things that he needed to work on as far as, you know, physical fitness goes. And that's not my department, but you know, there's another area that, that they talked about, but, um, but that was the primary focus for him because just cause you're big, it doesn't mean you can't find holes. And the other thing too, is just because you're big, um, you have to remember at tall goalies, when you're standing and holding your feet, um, a lot of what gives you, you know, the ability to be taller is, is outside the frame of the net. Right. So if you're a big, if you're a big goalie, like let's say Ben Bishop, six foot seven, well, a lot of his frame, if you look at the angle of the puck and the trajectory of the puck, a lot of his frame is actually outside the net. So I always hate the argument that like, oh, this guy's six, seven, so like he's better than the guy that's five eleven. Well, the reality <laughs> is the guy that's five eleven covers pretty close to the same amount of net as the guy that's six foot seven because of the trajectory of the puck, right? Yeah. So, so that always drives me a bit nuts. Now, where the advantage is, is you can see over traffic a little easier as a, as a bigger goalie. And, um, you know, obviously you can play a little shallower, uh, which allows you to move laterally easier, right? Those are the two things. And then the third is extensions. So anytime there's a scramble in front, if you maybe have to extend your leg out, you have a little, you have a couple more inches in tight to be able to make those extension saves, you know, on bang, bang plays off rebounds and secondary opportunities. So those are the three areas that, that you can get better, but it's not, always better so the other the downside to being tall is there's there's bigger holes underneath your arms so a lot of it was being able to function in a manner where we were patient on our feet but we also could close the holes off depending on where the puck was and be able to make sure nothing got underneath us or through us in certain situations those were the two kind of primary factors we did deal a little bit with with uh traffic and stuff like that but that was more on a tactical basis um, you know, and that was just something he, he struggled with at the time, but most of what, what we worked on was patience and being able to close off any of the holes as a bigger guy. Yeah. Maybe you can just touch a bit more on, you know, sort of, I, I I'm seeing a whole global shift toward a more hybrid style. And it's sort of, like you said, holding your feet and even the big goalies in the NHL, you know, it's, there are some smaller guys that are actually able to play now because, uh, the hockey IQ has gone up, the speed of the game's gone yeah. up. And, and I think it's forcing, you know, that mobility that smaller guys had, taller guys are forced to have that now. Um, sure. So maybe you can just touch on the importance of sort of 
staying on your feet as long as possible and why that's so important. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, I think it's, it's become almost everything like it, like as, as much as, you know, you can be good at all the areas of the game, but if you can't hold your feet, you can't play because the speed of the release, let's just look at first the release of the shot, the release of the shots improved dramatically, right? Everybody has a shot now because they're using composites thick. So the game's changed a lot. Like everybody can snap the puck. Um, you know, even if you look back and you look at like the guy that shoots the puck the worst, that would probably be the best shooter, you know, 15 years ago, but <laughs> honestly, right. But now yeah. it's well, like there's not a guy on your team, you know, that, that can't snap the puck at a pro level, you know, like, uh, and that's the biggest thing. So, so if you're, if you're not holding your feet, what it does is it causes holes, um, above your pads right? It causes holes between uh, the arm and your shoulder. There's too many gaps and the players will naturally just find those spots. So if you don't hold your feet on a release, you're going to get burned. It's going to be tough. And then the other thing too, is because the game's much more wide open, there's options that laterally that didn't exist before, right? So a player can make a pass laterally when you never thought he would. Like we see guys in the slot that will make passes to a guy back door. Right. 15 years ago, that was, if you didn't shoot, you'd come back to the bench and yeah, give, really. give you crap, right? Like he would yeah. get another shift, right? So, but now guys are more creative. So you have to be more than ever be in a neutral position with your feet in the sense of you've got to be able to hold your feet, but you also can't be too spread out. You have to be able to be inside the frame. And those two things have become just essential to be able to play goal just because of the way the game's changed, right? Versus like when me and you were playing, it, it was Jiggy. Jiggy was the big was yeah. the big game, right? He had those big yeah. years. I think it was like old three and old four. He had those big back to back years. Yeah, um, it might have been actually it might have been a little earlier, but nonetheless, he was the big guy. Like where he just blocked, right? He just got yeah. into position and he did a great job of it. And the equipment was huge, and he just blocked, right? And you can't do that anymore because the game isn't. There's no clutching and grabbing. Everything's wide open, yeah. right? So, and nobody's really out of the play everyone's available on the ice because the D are always active. So you may think that structurally you have, there's no options, but then a D jumps down from the point because it's almost like a five man attack now in the offensive zone. So from our perspective, you have to be able to hold your feet now because there's so many more pass options than there ever were, you know, let's say 15 years ago or 10 years ago, you know what I mean? So it's, it's a cool way the games evolved. Like it's, it's, It's really neat to, and it's more entertaining, right? Like, like goalies get mad because they're like, there's more scoring, but like, it's, if you look at it from a different lens, it's more entertaining to watch now than it was. The creativity know? has gone up significantly, right? For sure. For sure. Right. And, and everybody's playing under the same circumstances, right? So you can't say like, oh, like I'm, I don't want any goal scoring because I'm a goalie. Well, like, you know, it's exciting to watch. Like I, I like watching hockey way more now than I did, you know, 10 years ago you know, and, and it's just because the game's gotten so much better, but in saying that, you know, you, that's why you have to be able to hold your feet, right. Just because of the change of the game. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Totally understand. Uh, it's, uh, we have to evolve with it or, or you sort of go extinct. And like you said, it's all relative. We're all dealing with the same circumstances. It just sort of forces us to be better. Um, and it's funny, you just quickly, you know, you're seeing gear reductions, uh, gear reductions but the it's almost like the numbers are improving on goalies in the nhl with the gear reductions for sure you'll adapt like that's the thing right like like every, i i i think it was hendrick lundquist years ago they were talking about gear reductions and like 
they were expect so the the media came did a media scrum and somebody asked him about gear reductions, and uh, it was the reaction that me and you might expect, but I don't think the media expected. Like, and he was like, "Yeah, okay, I'm okay with it. We'll be able to move better, right?" Like, <laughs> positive in it. Like, so he's like, he's like, "Okay, we'll be able to move better." And, and you adapt, like you, you adapt. And, and if there's more goals, there's more goals on everybody, right? So it's like, exactly. it, it, it kind of hurts your ego a little bit where your numbers might not be as good, but like you learn to adapt, you learn to change and you learn to evolve, right? Like, and that's the biggest thing, like, you know, with, with, with the, the gear changes, like it, we, we've now got to a point where they're probably gonna have to make more gear reductions because yeah. the numbers are back up, you know what I mean? Like, and it's, <laughs> It, but it does, but this is why I always make this argument that goalies are smarter than players, right? But it's but it's not necessarily that. It's it's they work harder too, though. Like it's yeah. not taking nothing away from the players. Like we're on the ice early, we're on the ice late, we're refining our game all the time, and the players are starting to get to that level, right? Like so, Absolutely. it's gonna be interesting to see in the next ten years. But but like like guys like Adam Oates have taken it to that next level, right? Like like yeah. and I don't know Adam at all, but he's taken that technical side that goalies had. And he's now he's now done it with players. So he's saying yeah. like, okay, how you move your stick, how you be deceptive, right? Yeah. Um, guys like um, uh, Timmy Turk, you know, guys like that who are shooting coaches now, and they're learning how to be more deceptive. So they finally caught up in the technical department on what's making goalies better than players. So they're starting to get closer. So we've got to up our game a little bit as goaltenders. It's kind of like a little bit of cat and mouse, which is always kind of the fun. I think. <laughs> part of the game right like it's yeah it's exciting you know so so gear reductions to me you're you know i i i love them. i think it's fine go go smile. as long as the guys are protected right like yeah. anybody getting hurt but as long as the guys are protected i think that's the biggest thing the guys are going to be exposed to the guys that aren't skilled enough right like yeah. if you're not good enough then then i can see why you're mad about gear reductions because it's <laughs> it's going to expose you right like at the end of the day you know so i like i don't mind it it, it makes it it's more difficult to play goal, which means the more skilled goalies will be in that, right? So yeah. I like yeah. I don't mind it at all. No, I don't mind it either. Um and and I just want to dive into some more technical aspects surrounding your philosophy. Obviously, we we've we've touched on a lot of things, but maybe you can touch on this idea of of changing the plane of your eyes, you know, bobbing up and down and how that can affect your tracking. You know, maybe dive into a bit uh, into your philosophy regarding tracking and then into why you know, keeping your eyes level at the same plane is so important when we play. Yeah, for sure. And like, I'll start kind of on a basic level. Like, obviously, like you want your eyes to be, as you said, on the same plane as, as the puck. So basically, if I draw a line uh, from the crossbar or the corner crossbars down to the puck, that that plane, that line, we want our head to basically be tilted on the same angle. That just allows them to be looking downward at the puck. So right. based on where the puck is, that, that plane is going to change constantly. So I'm not a believer that you should be in one universal stance. I'm a believer that in certain areas of the ice, you want to frame the net in a way that your, your eyes are on the correct plane the whole way through. And you want to be able to move to when, whenever you move, we want to make sure that the eyes are going to the plane of where, where the puck is going to. So if the puck gets passed laterally, let's say dot to dot, it's going to be pretty simple because you're going to start on the same plane and finish on the same plane. But if a pass goes, let's say from the dot to below the circle on a lateral play, you're going to want to make sure that as you're making your rotation, your head is driving further downwards. So you're angling it down to the ice. So your head is really going to dictate 
how you move and how effective you're going to move. So for me, it's essential. Like you need to make sure that you're on the correct plane every time there's a shot um, because it's just the game, like we talked about before, the game is so quick now. It's so fast. Um, you need to make sure your eyes are in position because you're never going to be able to, to track the puck effectively. Um, and, and that's the biggest thing. I find goalies actually now, like in a lot of respects, like sometimes over track um, and, and they, they move their head too much instead of their eyes like your your head should be in your original spot um as far as the angle goes and the plane goes but i find goalies will will move their head a little bit too much and what happens is like you get the like instagram videos where you see the goalie like that will like track the puck all the way and their head's like completely square to the glove right and and it's just not realistic like like if someone snaps a puck at x amount of miles per hour they're just scientifically you can't get your head around right like and, and your head's moving, right? So it's not it's not an advantage. But we see these like drills where they like float the puck in really softly, and the goalie snaps their head all the way around because it looks cool, and they have like a nice like video to put on Instagram. Like that doesn't yeah. happen, you like know. Like, that, right? like like how many times do you get do you get a chance to like really fully turn your head? But I I find young goalies especially like they'll like turn their head all the way in, and I'm like, what do you like? Is there really a point to that? And second of all, now when if it does hit you and come back out your eyes have now gone past the point where the pucks made contact with you. So now when it comes back out, now you're, now you're late on finding it again. Cause you're going to use, you're going to use at some point when the puck comes in peripheral vision. Okay. Yeah. And when the puck hits you, you're going to use peripheral vision at some point when it comes back out because your eyes can't track that quickly. So yeah. you have to learn to be able to use just the eyes and let the head follow with you. So the head is for your, to me that the plane of attack is to get set. Okay. So your head is what gets you set. So if I move laterally, I want my head to move with me and I want it to be on the right angle. Those two things. Once the shot happens, it's your eyes that do all the work. So it's your head that, that moves you and your eyes, but most, but mostly primarily your head. And then when the shot comes in, it's your eyes that do the work. And when the shot comes out, it's your eyes that do the work. And then you'll start your secondary movement, which is with your head. Right. So that kind of makes sense. It's hard to say over, over a podcast, but hopefully that made a little bit of sense. So that's kind of where, where I would say we lack a little bit in the game sometimes, like where I think guys over track and they try to use their head instead of their eyes, your head's to move your eyes is your eyes is on the shot. That's the, that, that's the key for me. Yeah. And how exactly do you articulate that to guys in terms of the feeling that they should be looking for, like when they're on the ice to sort of build that awareness around sort of what we're talking about so they can make those adjustments. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's a secret formula for that. I think it's literally <laughs> like you just have to do repetition and, and, and have yeah. um, intention in your practice, right? Like, like, I think that's the only thing, like, I think you just got to, and that's really what it's, what it surrounds, what it, what it really comes down to is, you have to have intention on what you're doing. Um, and that's, and that's the biggest thing. And, and when you see a puck in practice, are you, are you tracking it effectively? Or are you getting lazy? Right? Like, and it, yeah. that, that's really the only formula is, is do you have intention when you practice? Like when you make a save, are you following it out with your, with your eyes and then your head shifts to the new line or are you just tracking and then moving to the next shot? You know what I mean? And I think, yeah. So, so my answer to that would be intentional practice will eventually allow you to make that formula subconscious, if that kind of makes sense. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I just want to dive into another concept uh, that I, I heard you kind of touching on, you know, having your hands work with your pads. And that's a totally new one to me. Um, you know, you see goalies with the palm up, palm mm-hmm. in a million different directions, right? So maybe explain what, what you mean by, by hands move with the pads and why you think it's so important. So the first, that concept that, that we talked about was um, primarily used in, in certain situations. Like obviously like if the puck shot from really far away, you should be able to catch that pretty cleanly and not worry too yeah. much. If, if we can't do that, we got, we got bigger problems probably. Right? <laughs> uh, I, I always had a coach that said, like, he used to say, if they score from there, we'll get a new goalie. So, so <laughs> don't worry too much about that, that side of things. But when the shot's coming from – so basically, if you break down the, the defensive zone, in the middle of the ice, like in between the hash marks, okay, that's, that's your middle. The, the net is at its maximum width and height, yeah. too depending on where the puck is located, like how high it is. So it's at, it's at its maximum width, right? So in that zone, you have to be more competitive. Like that's just, you're, you're, you're competing to make the save and you're, you're doing it a lot based on reading where this, where this release is, right? And, that, and that's your zone. You do what you need to do to make the save. Now, when the puck is on the outside of the rink or let's say like from the hash mark to the dot, now we're on an angle where we actually connect our hands with the post. So let's say it's like on the dot, for instance, right? And, or maybe a little bit inside the dot because it's a better scoring area. On the dot's a little more to the outside, but let's say it's slightly inside the dot. If you look at the angle of the puck, there, if you look at where your hands are placed, your gloves, unless you're a really small goalie. So if you're like, if you're like seven years old, this may not apply depending on how big you are. But even the young guys, like it's it's pretty fascinating how how big they are now. Our audience is primarily uh, fourteen to twenty two year olds, so you're right in the wheelhouse. Oh, perfect, perfect. Um, so so let's say it's it's off the dot a little bit inside inside the circle. If you look at the angle of the puck, your hands are connected with the posts. Your 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 gloves are basically in line with the posts, just in your stance. So you don't have to move outside that much, right? So I find a lot of goalies, what they focus on is they focus on horizontal lines on shots instead of vertical too much. So when a guy shoots the puck, what they focus on is opening up their glove to try and receive it. That makes sense. It's a good concept and it's good to catch a puck that way. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem is they start with opening up when it comes to the, let's say the glove side, right? They start with opening up their hands instead of simply saying, what is the vertical angle of the puck? Because if I open my glove up, what you'll find is if you take the puck's view, your glove will be past the post most of the time, right? So if I open my arm up or my glove and I have that movement, it's past the post. So what that means is it exposes us to 12-inch shots and shots from the thumb to the shoulder. So if you watch NHL games and you slow them down, primarily all the goals are scored inside the goalie's range of motion. It's, Mm. It's not outside. They, they don't beat you around very often. Unless you're really out of position, you're not set or centered and square, they, they won't beat you around. They'll beat you above your glove and in between your arm or yeah. below. And so the concept is to basically just say, I'm going to take the vertical angle of the puck and try to attack it. So if the, if the shot goes high, I hold my feet. If the shot goes low, I know that I've got the line covered. I'm going to connect with my equipment on the way down 
So there's no gaps or leaks underneath me. And then as the puck's coming in, I'm going to use my hands appropriately to catch that puck. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, maybe you can just touch on a bit on how you sort of work that with your guys, maybe some drills that you do to sort of hammer that home. Yeah, so so the, so the key is you have to do sim- pretty simple drills. That's the first thing to start. Like when you first start out with it, and it's kind of a more modern concept, but when you first start out with it, the, the biggest thing is like you can start with literally just a shot from a certain area of the rink. Like you can literally start that simple. And that and that's what we do a lot. Or it could be your warm-up, let's say, right? Start start with a simple shot from just inside the dot or whatever angle you want to choose to try and work on it. And and then start to add elements. So let's say there's a pass to that player first and he's stationary, and then there's a shot. And or there's a pass and then the player moves a little bit and the goalie has to move and there's a shot. So you just want to build on your concept, but you want to try to keep the drills fairly simplistic because again, we're working on subconscious behavior. We're not working on, and we're trying to trying to do that from a conscious level in the sense of we're trying to focus on one specific skill set. We're not, it's not a tactical drill, right? It's a, it's a technical drill we're trying to achieve. So, so what I would say is start really slow and then build, and then build around it once the, once the goaltender gets the concept a little bit more. So once the goaltender understands, okay, this is where the net is, and I start to get comfortable with it, now we can start to add more elements in and make it a little bit more challenging for that goaltender to be able to make the save. But but my biggest piece of advice is keep the drills fairly simple. You don't need to do million movements beforehand. Just make them simple so the goalie has a one-track mind on what they're trying to achieve here. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I love it. I love that we're getting into the the nitty-gritty technical yeah, stuff. Technical. And I'm sure a lot of people haven't really heard the concept, and that's why I just wanted to uh, – it's sort of an innovative thing, and, and that's why I brought you on here because you have a lot of innovative concepts that are actually really good and progressive. Um, but hopefully, I just want to – Hopefully they work. <laughs> and I'm sure they do, you guys, and your you and your guys have had plenty of results. So, uh, you know, if if people have more questions regarding these things, I'm sure just hit up Matt and, and he'd be happy to explain uh, some more. Right. Yeah. I ta- yeah, for sure. I, I talk a little bit, maybe too much. So so you may I may talk your ear off about it, but it's fascinating stuff, right? Like it's just it it's, is. It's it is. Game, and that's what you study it for is to try to be a little bit, a little bit innovative, but you're not recreating the whole game. You're just yeah. thinker and get a little bit better in certain areas that where you think your percentages can increase and you can improve. Right. And that's what, that's what it's all about to me. Yeah, absolutely. I I just want to pivot lastly here, you know, uh, talk a little bit about making that transition to the next level. Um, You know, obviously you work with a a significant amount of goaltenders that um, are NHL material and uh, I'm sure that will continue to grow. But out of all the goalies, you know, you've seen come through the league you know, scouting minor hockey, your own teams, what are some areas, you know, that you look at in younger goalies to see if they're ready to jump in at the major junior level to be able to compete and, and keep up with the pace and the skill? Yeah, I, I, I get this, this question a lot too from parents even. So I think it's good to touch on. And, and for me, like the, so I was fortunate enough, like when I was coaching in the Ontario league that I was able to, um, do a lot of scouting too. So that was really good because you, you learn what works and, and trust me, I made my fair share of mistakes scouting too. And you, but you learn, you, you learn what works and what doesn't sure. work. I think the biggest thing is like, for me, I want things that are really hard to teach. Like I really want things that are tough to teach. Um, you know, and for me, that starts with awareness and that doesn't just necessarily mean read, reading the play, but it's even just like guys that are aware 
when a big save needs to happen, yeah. when uh, we need a whistle, right? Like I, like I saw, I'll give you an example. I, I saw one goalie, which I was really impressed with. And I, and I, to this day, I'm not sure that he did this on purpose, but if he did, <laughs> it was pretty, I, I, I did notice it. Like there was one time a team was struggling and um, you know, they were, they were having a tough time. And I saw the goalie, like after a whistle, like just do up his pad for a little bit. Like, and he yeah. just, time and I was like his pads on correctly you know but I but I kind of liked it because he was like he was slowing the game down for his team and I, and I thought like to myself I'm like that's pretty that's pretty smart for a young guy to do you know and, and like stuff like that like just awareness of the temperature of the situation in the game you know like yeah. when do we need a whistle when when do we need a save how do how does the goaltender control the the pace of the game right like and and understanding that um awareness is is probably the most important thing right and because you can make up for a lot of deficiencies by, by being self-aware, but also being able to read the play effectively as well. And that, and that's the second thing I would say, if a goaltender can read the play, um, that to me attracts me a lot to a goalie right off the bat. Like, and that's the, those are the number one, that those would be the number one and two things that I would say, um, really I get attracted to when I'm scouting. Um, and then this, and then the second is, then you break down the skill set. You know, and um, once you get past kind of the awareness and character aspect, you're going to break down what are their, what is their true skill? Like, are they a good skater? You know, are their hands good? And that sort of thing. That's, that's what, can they see the puck? Can they track really effectively naturally? Those are hard to teach. Um, they can be taught, but they're a little bit harder in, in your time constraints. Right. So, so those are the things I look for next. Right. And then, and then, on top of that, then you look at size, right? So, so my, my aspect is size to me is probably third in all honesty, because how many times have we seen a goalie who's really big and they have no frame in the net? They look yeah. small, they play small, they, they, they give up goals under their arms, you know, they don't move well, but they're big, right? We see that all the time at every level. So yeah. size is the third thing because that's not teachable, but the first two would be awareness. And then what, what's their actual skill set? Like what's this? And then you want to ask yourself, what's the ceiling of that skill set? Like yeah. what, how high can they get? What, what do I project? Right. You don't want to put a cap on anybody because you can always get better, but you want to try to understand in the time frame I'm allotted, you know, how do I get to the next level? So my advice to goalies is one, be, in, be a student of the game. And we talked about being an artist, right. And yeah. two, be really skilled. Like if you, if you can be really skilled, cause you can't control size, that's just your, your height is your height. But what you can do is be really skilled and have good awareness. Now, as far as size goes, what you can control is how you frame the net. Okay. So if you're a smaller guy and you think you're not getting looked at cause your size, it's not your size. Okay. It's how you frame the net. Cause you can be a smaller goalie and frame the net really well and be really effective for a team, right? Because a team just wants wins. That's all they want. They want they want a goalie that can win games. Yeah, right? They do. Right? They don't care what how big you are, so to speak. They want you to win hockey games. So if you win more games than you know. If you play at uh, competitive levels, I always say it too. People are like, hey, it's not always about winning. But unfortunately, if you want to play competitive hockey, it yeah. does come down to that. And the, the win column is for the team and the goalie. The players don't share yeah. that, right? Yeah, you got it. Like that's, that's, it, it's the reality of the situation, right? Like, and we're getting closer with analytics and, and viewing goalies differently and shot difficulty and that sort of thing. And, and, and that's fine. But at the end of the day, I, as a coach, get a contract by winning hockey games, 
at a, yeah. at a high level. Now, if, if minor hockey is obviously an exception, but if you're pro or junior, you win, you win games, you get contracts. So yeah. that's all they really care about. So it's, they will see you and say, oh, you're a smaller guy or whatever. And that may be on in the front of their mind at the beginning, but if you win games, it doesn't matter. So my, my advice is be a guy that's aware, have skill, understand how to frame the net and find ways to make saves when you need to make them. It doesn't mean you're going to win every game, but be tough to beat, you know, like really hard to beat, like don't, right? Like exactly. Make them earn goals. You may lose games. Like I've seen guys lose games, play phenomenal hockey games. They lost a game three, two. Okay. And all three goals they scored, like they were tough goals to score. Like they, they had to work for it. They had to be patient. They had to put pucks in good spots to score. Like they had to, you know, have a secondary play or a third play to score. Like that to me, I can live with that. But it's yeah, give up a goal on the goal line through you, you know, yeah. and that you know what I mean? Like goals like that. And you should have stopped, right? Exactly. Like ones that like are clearly should be saves. That's what kills guys in their draft years and stuff like that and beyond. You you have to lock that down. And that comes from a level of focus and, and emotional avail- availability um, that you need to explore and push the limits and the outer boundaries of, of your potential. Those would be the four areas that I would say are the biggest things. Yeah, I always say that, it, you know, in, and it goes back to the humility thing that we've been touching on the whole conversation. You know, you want to prove to people that you're ready to play at the next level and you can help them win games. Well, Wherever you are right now, whether it's A, House League, Double A, Triple A, Junior A, Junior B, C, you have to do two things. You have to, one, make all the saves you're supposed to, which is either, you know, like you mentioned, on the goal line, did it go under your arm? Even if it was a two-on-one, was it like on the ice? Did you make them earn those goals? And then number two, making some, if not most of the saves you shouldn't make, right? And coming back to like backdoor reads are you are you saving backdoor shots are you stopping all your clear lane shots and then when you can show people you can do that that makes uh you know coaches scouts everything a lot more comfortable with sort of bringing you on board because it, it helps them sleep at night with saying okay this guy's probably going to transition much better right for sure for sure and your your size and some of those things like they may catch a, a scout's eye right away like, so some of the stuff that you can't control that may catch a scout's eye right away, but it's consistency in the behavior that really draws a scout and someone watching to, to make a selection or sign a contract. Like it's consistency of behavior. If, the, if you can do it long enough. And I, and I have this talk with some of my major junior guys who don't get drafted. I, I'm like, I'm like, they're like, Oh, I had a good year, but I didn't get selected. Right. For whatever reason. And I, and I said, you know what? You did have a, you did have a good year. If we self-reflect and I look back, I'm like, you did have a really good season. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, do it again. Like, like they're, they're waiting for more. They're waiting yeah. for a bigger sample size. Like if, especially a smaller guy, like if you're a smaller guy, they may just want more. They just want more proof. So just yeah. you know, like, like I've had this discussion with tons of NHL scouts where they're like, I really like them. We're not going to draft them, but I do really like them. We just yeah. haven't enough. Right. Like, they're, they're like, we just haven't seen enough to, to, to warrant investing a pick on the player, right? You look at Nico Dodds, right? It's the same thing. Like he was okay in his draft year last year, but wasn't good enough to get drafted. They needed more of a sample size, right? He comes, he brings it. And now he, he might potentially, if, if everything works out, he could be a first round pick, you know, yeah. 
but I, I don't think he slips past the second round at the very minimum. But th- that's an example of like, they just need more time to, to yeah. do, you know what I mean? And, and sometimes that's the thing, like guys will go through drafts. Like the first thing, when you go through a draft, you should be honest with yourself. You're not good enough yet. You need to get better. But you're probably, if you're close, you're probably doing a lot of things right too. So, yeah. so just be patient with the process. Like yeah. at some point, the best goalies become the best goalies. It's, it's tough, but at some point, the best goalies end up rising to the top. So that's the biggest thing I would say in just the long journey that this is. And you got to love the journey, right? Like you have to, because it's going to be a long process. It's going to take time. You know what I mean? Ups, downs. Um, and I love that you said that because, you know, and, and you and I had just recently met the last few years, but, you know, I, I, back when I was younger, you know, I was doing really good. I was just same thing, sort of getting overlooked. And I said, you know what, um, I'm just going to, if I be like this long enough, it'll prove to people that I'm elite. And looking back on uh, how I got my scholarship, you know, it was like, I put up the best numbers in New England in prep school. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we, we like it, but we want to see him play junior. And I said, OK, I didn't pout about it. It was more they just want to see you. They want to see that consistency. They want to be able to get sleep at night. And everything that factored into me getting my Division One scholarship was everything I did for the five years prior. Sure. of Just that consistent embracing that process and being the best version of me every day. And eventually – you're, that evidence sort of builds up and people you, you don't need a million teams to like you only need one you need one exactly exactly um and that, that's sort of the mindset i took with it but to to finish off here i just want to talk about and obviously we're going a little long here but this is a really good conversation um you know the game is full of highs and lows um you know and, and that emotional awareness factors right into your your leadership qualities as a goaltender um how can people sort of work on identifying those those times uh, in terms of, you know, uh, being a leader, right? Like you said, those timely saves, all those things. Are those things that people should be focusing on consciously as they come, whether it's like a five on three late in the game or whatever it is? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. Like in game, like I, I think everyone inherently is aware of when a big moment is coming. You know, I don't, I don't think there's a goalie out there that's like not aware in the back of their mind, at the very least that like, we need a save here. We need (laughs) to be able to come up with a save and, and that sort of thing. So I don't think from an awareness perspective, I think for the most part, goaltenders are pretty smart, but I think away from the rink, self-reflection is just something that's totally overlooked. And and I really believe that. I, I think that like, so for instance, in our program with our junior guys, we, we are actually in the month right now, currently of May, we're in a self-reflection month. So what we do is, and you don't have to go to this level, but what we do is we have analytics, we have analytic breakdowns of how the goals went in and what the shot difficulty was on every single goal our junior guys gave. Yeah. Okay. And we, we cross-reference that with what the goalies are feeling, what we see on video, and then we do an online or an, or an on-ice um, evaluation and we haven't got to those yet because obviously COVID kicked in, yeah. but we do an on, on ice evaluation of the player and just their core movements and, and, and their safe selection. And then we do um, a meeting, which we've gotten to a bunch of them online and we've just done zoom meetings with our players yeah. and it's just a month of self-reflection, you know, and 
that can come in that type of form, or it can come in as simple as just having a booklet and having a journal. Like, I think that as we get older and as the athletes get better, we're going to see more and more players have little journals that they write in, you know, it's just about having a clear direction and a distinction on where you want to head. And you'll start to figure out where the areas are. It's like, you know, am I giving up a goal in the first minute of every game? Yeah. You know, like that's not a coincidence, you know, common underlying trends, sort of like what you alluded to earlier. Right. Exactly. It's the same thing. Right. Like, and it's like, am I, am I giving up a goal at the beginning of the second period after the flood every single game? Okay. Well, like, that's something emotionally that we're, we're, we're putting into the game that maybe doesn't need to be there or maybe we're not focused enough beforehand or, but, but that getting to that level of self-awareness, it really comes down to, you have to document it somehow. Like it can't be, oh, it's in my head and then it's gone. Like you have to document it. So it's, it might just, it might be journaling. It might be what we do with our guys. We do analytic breaks now. We do video breakdown. Like that's a little extreme. You don't necessarily need, we're, we're just covering our bases and all, on that yeah. stuff. But even just a small journal, like write down what you thought of the game. Like start with something really simple. Like I'm always a big believer in you, you get small wins first. So the yeah. f- first thing is take your, get a journal and just write down two things you, you, you really loved about your game and every game, as bad as it is, if we're taking that, that, infinite mindset and we're and we're taking our game as art right and we're and we're really diving into that concept that every i'm a i'm a big believer in mastering my craft no matter how bad the game is you're going to find a couple areas where you're like that was a really good save or that was a really good read there's no games that are that are horrible there's bad results but there's no horrible games you're not like changing as a as a goalie in in the middle of the game you're the same goal there there's bad results and there's better results. So find two things that you really like and then take and then do two things that you didn't like about your game. Start with that. Just simple, you know, and and start getting into the habit of making notes and having awareness on some of the little things that maybe you're doing and then build on it. Like the concepts we talked about of, of breaking it down from um, technical, tactical and tangible. You know what I mean? Like start yeah. to build it up and then eventually you get that awareness of how to be, you know, really good in big moments, you know, and that's, and that's where it starts is, is just, again, it goes back to awareness. Yeah, I know. I, I love that you, you're, you harp on evaluation and self-evaluation because, uh, you know, everyone sort of overlooks that evaluation. I think that everybody's been in this, oh, we need to do more. We need to get better. But, but I don't think anybody really takes the time at the end of the year to self-evaluate and say, Hey, where could I have shaved some goals? You know, cause I always say uh, the difference between like a 91 and a 93 save percentage is only like six or seven goals. So sure. with you, with you and your guys at the end of the year, you know, what, what's, what's a way that you sort of look back, evaluate, and then set goals going into the following year. Um, so that way you can keep building a uh, year after year. Yeah. I mean, we touched on it in, in the last question in the sense, like what we'll do is we'll do um, we'll do a, an analytics kind of rundown of everything. So basically the way that works is, and I'll go into more detail is um, every goal, I track every goal. So there's not one goal that I don't see on our, on our elite athletes. Now the minor hockey guys are harder because we don't have video, but the OHL guys, I've seen every single goal that they've given up. And 
we put them into categories. So we figure out where the sections we're struggling are, and then we got to come up with a game plan on how to be able to fix them. It's that simple. And then we look at shot difficulty. So we look at on each goal, we put it on a scale basically that breaks down the difficulty of that play. So, so for instance, like if I've given up a lot of lateral plays, but my difficulty is exceptionally high, that's probably more team-based. So we have to be trying to drive that direction. Right. So the idea behind it is this, like if it's all, it's all good and well to run to a certain direction, but if you're lost and you're running in the wrong direction, it doesn't help you. Right. You might, you're better off just stand still because you're actually closer to where you want to go. Right. So, so if you're running in the wrong direction, it doesn't help. So the idea is to find where the direction needs to be. Right. And so that's where the analytics come in and same thing with direct shots. So we'll track direct shots on difficulty and direct goals. So we know exactly. And then we'll take, we'll go a step further and we'll actually take the top goalies from each league and we'll, we'll track theirs as well that we don't train. So if there's another goal that we don't work with and, um, you know, they're, I don't know, they're one of the top boys in the league. We'll look at their difficulty and we'll say, okay, this is where they are. This is where we are, you know, and yeah. see how we line up. So that's the first thing that we do. The second is we do the video breakdown. So we'll have a zoom meeting with all our players in the next week or so. Um, and we'll do a zoom meeting on, you know, how the goals went in and what our strategy is for the next, for the next year. Right. Yeah. It just gives us a clear direction and the players can see it now. So now they're looking at it and going, oh, wow, I didn't see that before. This yeah. is why, you know, I, I, I now see that I can be better. But also it gives them input too. So they, so they can go, yeah, I'm feeling like kind of like this on this play. Like, and, they, and there's a bit of a conversation back and forth there. So, so that gives me a better understanding. So the video meeting is for them, but it's also for me. Um, and it gives me a better understanding of how they were feeling in that moment. What yeah. happened? maybe a puck got deflected. I, I couldn't see on a video. So they're like, Oh, that hit the guy's skate. And that comes back to honesty. We're, we're very honest with ourselves. Right. And then, and then the final thing is the on ice evaluation. We usually do that actually first, but because of COVID, we haven't been able to be on the ice and we'll right. break down their core movements. So you've got movement on feet, your recoveries, and then your slides, and then you have your save selection. So what, how are we facing direct shots? And we'll slow those down. We'll do a voiceover on, um, you know, how they can get better in those certain sections. So that's what we do with our major junior guys. It's a lot harder to do it in minor hockey, obviously, because you don't have that video access all the time. But, yeah. but now in the month of May, they have a clear direction. So when we start up again, whenever we start, we are ready. Like we are ready to go. We know exactly the areas we're going to start with. And when we do that personal approach on the ice, it's, it's game over. We know exactly where we're going. So, and that's, that's the level we get to. But again, like, I think that's a little extreme. Like there's certain things where I'm like, you know, did we need to do that there? Well, it's just more my occupational hazard. Like I really just love doing it. But mm-hmm. when you start with just, like I said, self-reflecting, looking back on goals and understanding like this is the area we need to head. But you really want to evaluate what your ROI is. Because we talked about the the ditch theory and how difficult it is to be able to change your subconscious mind and your subconscious behavior. So it relates to performance. You have to, you have to ask yourself, what is my return on investment on what I'm doing? So when I say ROI, that's what I mean. What's your return on investment for the time I'm spending on safe selection to the glove or butterfly slides or whatever it is, or, or RVH, 
is it worth spending X amount of hours or is it better to spend X amount of hours somewhere else and I will get better results based on that? So that's always something that I'm constantly evaluating as a, as a, as a coach. Um, and that's probably a little bit more up to the coach, but honestly, yeah. that's where I think we get lost. Cause we, we almost play a game as coaches where, because we're so stressed to win games, like we start, it's almost like I, I use the analogy, like a laser pointer, like a cat chasing a laser pointer. Right. So like the cat's never going to catch the laser pointer, but everywhere it shows up, the cat's trying to chase it. Right. Like, so something will go wrong in a game. They're like, Oh, we got to fix that. You know? Yeah. Go wrong yeah. And, and the, the next week we're like, Oh, we got to try and fix that. And you're just running around chasing all these things, but you're not really getting anywhere. So it's yeah. like, for me, it's just, it hones in on that level of focus. So if, if, well, we talked about like, let's say hundred Jones gives up five goals a certain way, but his percentage is actually pretty low overall just because our emotions are telling us to go in one direction doesn't mean we should go that direction. We have to make sure we have an understanding of what the path is to success. And that's mm -hmm. all that is. So that's kind of what we do um, to help us get there. And, you know, if that works for you, it's great. If that's a little bit too extreme, then do something a little more simple. We talked about journaling and stuff along those lines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I posted a video. I said, this is probably going to be the most important video I post this spring and it probably won't get a ton of views just yeah. because it's sort of everybody's focused on that shiny object syndrome, but you, right. you have to sit down, you have to have some type of system self evaluator. You're just sort of running around in circles year to year. But, um, Matt, honestly, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I can't thank you enough for, for taking the time to open up about a, a lot of things, you know. Um, that have given you and your goaltenders a lot of success. Obviously, a bit of a longer conversation, but unbelievable. Um, I'm I'm totally I'm totally pumped that we got that much value in, and I know everybody's sort of it's going to spark a fire in some goalies today to start honing in on some of these concepts. Um, maybe you can just let people know where they can get in touch with you online. Yeah, I know. Well, for, first off, thanks for having me. It's, I always love chatting goaltending. You can probably tell by how long winded I could be, but. <laughs> Hopefully I didn't bore anybody too much. I try to be a little bit more off the cuff, but uh, no, we like to we like to make nerding out on goaltending cool here. So we're all good, man. Good. So I came to the right place anyway. But uh, <laughs> well, that's the first thing. Uh, it, it's it's obviously you know humbling to be asked to be on. So I, I appreciate that off the bat. And then of course um, you can find me. I mean, obviously mattsmithgoaltending.com. Um, you know, if you want to get in touch with me, there my email's on there. Um, and you can go to our website. There's online membership options and obviously all the training options you can have. And then um, my handle um, on anything is uh, like Instagram, Twitter. It's at MS Goaltending. So, um, you know, you can find me there. So there's some good content. It's a little shorter, but based on restrictions. But like I said, the goal is just to provide value for all these players. And, and that's, the, that's the main thing. And, you know, if they can get, you know, 1% better off something, I think we've, we've done our job. So that, that's the big thing for me. And, and, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll be in touch with some of the listeners. I, I love interacting and I, I try my best with everybody, as you know, it's pretty hard sometimes, like for sure. be able to, to, to get to everybody's direct messages and stuff. And, and if I don't have an answer for you, I'll say like, I don't know if I have an answer for you. We've had some good questions. So, but don't hesitate to reach out if you are a listener that's interested and, you know, hopefully uh, I can help you in some small way. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Yes. Well, we'll include all the links in the show notes um, for everybody that's interested, but his students have had a, a tremendous amount of su uh, success over the years. 
And if you're looking to make that jump to the next level, definitely go back and listen to this one today because Matt knows what it's all about. Maybe somewhere down the road, we'll have you back on the show, man, if that's something that interests you. Oh, yeah. I, I, like I said, I, I can't talk enough about this stuff. So <laughs> I think we went a little overtime, so we might have to do another one. Nah, we're okay. I'm grateful for you coming on, man. You take care and we'll chat soon, buddy. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode, guys. If you like what you heard today, make sure to hit that subscribe button as we have tons of amazing guests lined up already to come onto the show in the next few months. Make sure to tune in next week and every Tuesday from now on at 8 a.m. as I have one of the greatest recruiting minds in college hockey, my old assistant coach from the University of Vermont, Kyle Wallet. Wally had a very strong hand in recruiting both the Yale and the Quinnipiac teams that went to the national championships that ended up competing against each other uh, back in 2013, which is crazy. And he's known as one of the best recruiters in D1 hockey. Um, Him and I have become very close friends over the years. And if you're looking for an inside scoop on how to possibly get yourself a Division I deal, this episode is for you. So don't hold your breath, but make sure to tune back next week. Without further ado, here are the giveaway details for the NeuroTracker X subscriptions we're giving away. To enter the giveaway, simply go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a written review. Once you leave a review of the podcast, take a screenshot of it and either email it to goaliehacks at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram with your screenshot and your full name. If you guys are also interested in getting started with the product outright, right away, they are currently offering subscriptions for cheaper than what the price will be when the product fully launches. So if you guys want to get started at a cheaper price, price before the price goes up hit me up on instagram for more details get excited guys great things ahead i hope you enjoyed today's show and i'll see you next week